Amen. So our scripture text for today is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. I'm thinking that you'll recognize this one. We'll see if I'm right. This is the word of the Lord. Just then the lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this text that Jesus uh, replies with is uh, very common to us. We understand this one. I think most of us, when we hear it, we like it. We say, yes, we would like to live into that text. It was actually really popular uh, in the Jewish culture. It came from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it's a prayer called the Shema. We're going to read that a little bit later. Jesus actually adds a part into it. It says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your, uh-oh, I'm forgetting. Help me out here. With all your heart, with all your strength. And you know what Jesus adds in? Mind. Jesus actually added that part. It's pretty good, isn't it? Well, what I want to ask you today is, if somebody came and asked you, how do I live this out? How do I live it out? How do I love the Lord? How do I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Where do I begin? Just think about it. Don't say it out loud yet. Just think about it. Where would you begin? What would you tell somebody? How do I do that? How do I, how do I dig into this verse? See, I think that actually this lawyer was struggling with that for himself. That's why he asked. When Jesus says it's, it's pretty clear, Jesus says it's pretty clear, you know the answer. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Super clear. Try and go and do that. And he tries to justify himself. Well, but who's my neighbor? <laughs> and Jesus answers with a long parable in this text. That's why we're not going to read it. But I wonder if sometimes we like this text and it matches up with our ideals of how we would like to live, but still we struggle with actually moving forward with progress into living it out so that our ideals match our habits and match our values, which is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. So how would you start? Where would you start? That's probably the most important thing you should ask. How would you dig into this? What's your plan? If we're going to hope to live out our Christian values in a way that other people can actually be inspired by them and influenced by them, hopefully encouraged by them, if we're going to live that out, we need a plan. I don't know, maybe you don't, but I need a plan. We need a course. We need habits. We need a rhythm that can help us to live into those Christian values and ideals, to have them not just be things that we put maybe put on our walls, right? but that we actually live out and other people can tell that we're living it out. 
So that's what a rule of life can do for us. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. This Christian, this ancient Christian practice of crafting what's called a rule of life. doesn't mean rules for life. That sounds constricting. That sounds like, why would we ever want to do that? It means rule of life. More like a rhythm. Like, this is the way that I'm going to live so that I can, can really embody my Christian faith. I mean, we do this in all kinds of other ways, don't we? Like if we say we want to be a, a, a varsity athlete, well then there's implicit things that we know we have to do in order to become a varsity athlete. And then hopefully even to uh, excel in that area. Maybe in your workplace you do a similar thing. But those things are implicit because we know the reward and we know that we're going to work towards those things. Like, yes, of course I want to show up and do my job well. Because I know that then I'll probably get a raise. Hopefully I'll get a raise or I'll be appreciated by my coworkers or my boss. It's not quite as easy in the Christian faith. Do you believe me? You don't have to say. <laughs> you don't have to say if you believe me. But we're, we're trying to work towards specific outcomes in our Christian faith with intentional habits to match. Habits when, uh, which help us to be intentional about our truest identity in the faith. So I'll ask you again, if someone came up to you and said, I want to, I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I really want to learn to love my neighbor as I love myself. I want to start by just talking to my neighbor, because if we're honest, that, <laughs> that's the biggest challenge is just developing any kind of relationship with our neighbor, let alone loving our neighbor. So if someone came to you and said, Robert, pick on you, Robert, don't, you don't have to say anything, <laughs> Robert, I heard this verse in church today and it sounds awesome. Like, it's just so clear to me. This is what the world needs is more people to do this. Like, I just, this is it. Like, I can just see it so clearly and I'm so filled with hope. How do I start, Robert? You know, how do I go from not being a Christian or just being what they call a nominal Christian, like not really practicing the Christian faith, how do I go from that to this? Which is really being sold out for God, right? Your whole, I mean, what Jesus is describing is your entire being. Everything that you love, everything that you care about, everything that you work towards is through the lens of wanting to serve Jesus. So now, I invite you to say it out loud, just as it comes to you. See if anybody does. Where would you start? What are the essential practices, habits, for loving the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, and heart? Prayer? Very good. God's Word? Okay. Off to a great start. It's good. Prayer? You're making me proud. Prayer? God's Word? Faith, having faith? Okay. Church? What, kind, what part of church? Come in here. Sure. So like, huh? Volunteering? Okay. Very good. These are all great. What else? Someone's asking you. They're desperate. What should I do? There's no, there's no wrong answer here. Help? So kind of similar to volunteering. Help out. Serve. Another word for that. Yeah. 
Anybody else? You got somebody's about to say something and they're nervous. Huh? Read the Bible. Very good, Andrew. You're going to do well in confirmation, my friend. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, okay, so I know that all of you thought of, maybe you thought of the same things that some people shared, uh, but you also had things that, that you said. Now, this is the key. When you get home, or even right now, write those things down, and you've got a jump start on your rule of life, okay? And see, if we don't take the time to write down, like, this is what I need to do to move in this direction of, of being more committed to God, if we don't chart that course for ourselves, it's, pro- it's likely not going to happen. And, you know, I could tell you day after day, even a week after week, and you could be super inspired by sermons or other content that you might see somewhere else, but unless you decide, this is who I want to be, and this is what I'm willing to do to get there, unless you make that decision, it's probably not going to happen. And I don't say that to shame anybody, okay? I'm not trying to make you feel bad or make you feel like there's all kinds of things you should be doing. More on that later, okay? But what Jesus is after is our entire being. Now, I'm reading a great book that's called The Life We're Looking For. It's by a guy named Andy Crouch, and he really opened my eyes to this uh, to this passage, more particularly from the Shema, the Old Testament version, but he's the one who pointed out uh, that we talk about, um, that we also talk about uh, mind. Sorry, I realized the camera shut off. (laughs) Technology is a distraction, right? So Andy Crouch talks about uh, this verse and this word. He, He knows the the original language is better than I do. And what he says is that what Jesus is referring to is our allness. And all, a faith that encompasses all parts of who you are and who I am in all areas of our life. So Andy Crouch says we are these different, we are these different categories. He uses uh, Jesus' words to kind of guide this. He says we are heart. See if you agree. We are heart. As people, we are heart. We are driven by and drawn by our desires, things we like, things we care about. So we are heart, uh, we are soul, so we contain a depth of self that's unique from others. And this is a way that, you know, we're not, um... hey Todd, (laughs) it's all right. Here we go. That was my bad, actually, I... I tried to help out today by getting things going ahead of time, you know, but I forgot to plug in the camera. And if you don't plug it in, it's just, this is a Wizard of Oz moment. <laughs> if you don't plug it in, it dies and it makes things uncomfortable. <laughs> Lesson learned. That was my bad. Okay, so we are heart. We care about things. We love things. You agree with that? We are soul. You know, we have this thing that we can't really even pin it down what, what it is, but it's very unique. We're all unique uh, within our soul. And we're different from animals in that way, right? Uh, we are mind. We are uniquely capable of reflecting, of remembering, of interpreting things, and of analyzing. And we are also, as human beings, strength. Capable of applying great energy. We can focus our energy towards what we want to focus on. And 
most animals can't do that. They just react. I mean, my dog has lots more energy than I do, but she's just like, toy, and runs after it. (laughs) Most of the time, I can resist that impulse (laughs) to, to just go after what I see and want really badly. So we are these different things. And what I'm, why I shared that is just to, to help us see with a greater precision the different parts of what it means to be human. And that's exactly what Jesus is, is wanting us to give little bits more and more of so that we can experience the life that Jesus uh, created us for, really. And so the practices of a rule of life can help us to grow and mature in Christ-likeness in all these different areas and gain real traction, real traction, so that our values can be lived and seen and felt, starting within your home, right? Then going into your church and community, your workplace, so that they can be lived, experienced values rather than just platitudes, nice sayings about God. Just ideals that we argue about and clash over all the time. You know, we can make a real difference right here, right now, in your daily life. But it's probably not going to happen unless you take the intentionality of a rule of life and apply it to your life. So we see intentional habits and practices all throughout the Bible. This is biblical, what I'm talking about here. There's a guy named Daniel in the Old Testament. Do you remember Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den? Everybody remembers Daniel. You remember that part, but do you remember why he got thrown into the lion's den? Daniel, much like Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, found favor with the king and became really successful. And some of the other uh, politicians of the time, really like governors, got super jealous of Daniel. And they knew that Daniel had a, a, a rhythm, he had a rule that he would go and pray three times a day. And he was in a foreign land. This was after the Israelites were uh, exiled to Babylon. And he said, you know what? I'm still going to pray in a way where people can see me. And so these people who wanted to betray Daniel said, we'll trick the king and make an edict, a law, that says if anyone prays to anybody but you, the king, we're going to throw him into the lion's den. And Daniel knows this is happening. And he still goes to pray three times in a day and makes this really incredible stand in the faith for God. Now we look at that and say, that's the stuff of legends. What a heroic act. He's really so convinced that God is alive and real and with him that he took a stand for the faith. Much like so many people right now feel like somebody's got to make a stand. But here's the thing. Had Daniel not had that practice of praying three times a day, he would have never been able to make the stand. He would have been too intimidated. He would have been too nervous to say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to just continue to do what I've always done. And that's exactly what the text says if you read it. It says, Daniel went and prayed like he always did. Like he always did. So we see that. And even I told you I was going to read you the Shema. So here we go. See if you're ready for this. This was just something that was a part of uh, life for the Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. There's a statement of identity like we talked about last week. The Lord alone. There's one God. 
The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now listen to the, this is some, this is how you're going to live. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. They didn't have the Bibles. They didn't have the, sm- the phone where they could just pull it out and you know, maybe get a notification that says, here's your Bible text for today. Great start, by the way, if that's where you're at. Put it in your rule of life. <laughs> Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them with an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. So there's, there's an intentionality to everything that God commanded to the Israelites that they would practice for themselves, as a family, as a community of people. And it just carried on and carried on and carried on to the point where when Jesus brings it up, it's like Jesus didn't tell that lawyer this is the answer. The lawyer told it to Jesus. Because it's just like, well, duh. That's just what we do. (laughs) But then you see that the lawyer had all sorts of justifications for not doing it. Like, well, I don't really want to do that part. (laughs) Even though you're saying it's the most important thing. So there's a rule there. There's rhythm. There's practices that help God's people live in the way that God wants us to live so that we can be the people that God made us to be. Daniel is one. The, the Shema is a good example of one. Those are fixed things. Like every day when I wake up, I'm going to roll out of bed and pray. I'm trying to do this right now. I'm saying, instead of saying, I need my coffee, or I'm too cold, or I'm too tired, this morning I rolled out of bed and got down on my knees and prayed. Like, this is where I'm at in order to live in the way that I feel God is calling me to live. Like, this is the next level of devotion for me. Ironically, that's how I started out in the faith. And then as I grew and learned and became so intellectual, and <laughs> I stopped doing that, you know. Well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of a thing. You know? So, so there's, there's fixed practices that we can do at specific times, you know, at, in a specific rhythm. But what we see from Jesus is also an adaptive way to this. Where Jesus, any time that he was around a big group of people and taught and did miracles, you know, it must have been draining even though he's God. Every time after that, he would go alone and be with God the Father. Not every single time. But that's an adaptive thing. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in this crazy day, but I know that any time I get done meeting with a client, I'm going to spend three minutes in prayer so that I can recenter on on who God is and God's love for me. And who God says I am, regardless of if it went really well or if it went really poorly, or maybe right after a meeting. You know, every time after a meeting, I'm just going to go and sit with God in prayer. I don't know when the meetings are going to be, so I can't write out every Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Maybe you can. You see, that's more of an adaptive way to go about this. See, a, a key difference between us, though, and uh, Daniel, and Jesus, and any of the Israelites, is that they didn't have a rule of life. That was something that was created when more and more distractions came into the world. And I mean, I'm talking in the 4th century is when rule of life came, became a thing. 
And that's when monasteries started to pop up because people would say, I've got to get away from all the craziness and go and be faithful to God. Well, that's not an option for most of us. Maybe Doug is going to go and live in a monastery. Please don't, Doug. I love having you on a Tuesday morning Bible study. You're a great addition. <laughs> but you know, they didn't need a rule of life because they didn't have all the distractions. They didn't have the, you know, they didn't even have the, like I said, the Bible. They didn't have phones. They didn't have media just bombarding us all the time. So they could just hear these things and then try as best they could to adapt their lives to them. And it wasn't as hard to make change as it is for us today. But for us, it's essential. You know how many distractions are in your life. Whether they're imposed upon you or just distractions that you know, are rutting around in your own mind how hard it is. So we need this kind of uh, intentionality to live out our faith. Daniel and, and Jesus and the Israelites also didn't have this phenomenon. I mean, they, they would think, what are you even talking about? This phenomenon of like separating out church life from the rest of our life. Like, what is that? Like, th- this is how I am when I go to church, and this is how I am the rest of my life. I mean, that's... I, I don't think that that really lines up well with what the Shema or what Jesus is saying of our allness. Like, every part of our life is what we try to give to Jesus. But again, we're not going to make that kind of broad sweeping change just like that. We need to be specific about what we're going to do and, and who we want to become. So if we're thinking about a rule of life, it's helpful to think about specific areas in your life. Like maybe you just want to focus on your home life for now. Maybe you just want to focus on like what are my, what's my rhythm going to look like with involvement in the church. And just be specific about that. What is my, what is my uh, rule going to look like in my workplace? If you go back to previous weeks, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And what practices are going to help me to become that person? So maybe thinking of a specific area uh, that w- would be helpful for you. I'll be honest with you. When I, so I went through a long time of burnout. And I thought a lot of, about rule of life. Burnout of just feeling like I, I don't know what to do anymore. Uh, I, f- I feel empty. Uh, I feel like I'm not living into meaning and purpose. There's all sorts of side effects of burnout. And that's why I took uh, a month of renewal leave. You know what? That month off didn't really help that much. (laughs) Because what I needed was not necessarily more rest or to escape from my problems. What I needed was greater clarity about how I wanted to live and how I wanted to show up and what actions I needed to take in my life to ensure that I could become that person. And you know what the hardest part of that process was? People pleasing. <laughs> like, oh no, but then what are, what are they going to say? What if they don't like what I say? Well, you know, all kinds of things. That's, you know, you guys might, you'll tell me in the line afterwards. Don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> but until you're the one standing up here talking every week, you know, let's save that conversation, <laughs> okay? So I'm trying to be really transparent with you here because I'm doing this for myself. Two years ago, I did a rule of life for the first time, and it's one I showed you that was just on a little piece of paper. And I make adjustments to it all the time. 
but last at the end of my uh, time away. So this is, um, this is dated July 6th. I felt like what I need to do is make a ministry rule of life. See, this is the back of my notebook. Not making it up. Not making it up. Don't take a screenshot of that. <laughs> so these are the questions that I asked myself. And I had to take time away. That's the first step. You might have to take some time and actually put it into your calendar and say, this is some time that I'm going to think about and pray about these things. Because if you don't start there, probably not going to happen. If you can't make the space to be reflective and think about what God has done in your life and what God is inviting you to, it's probably not going to happen. So I took the space to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to present this to God. And I asked myself, who do I want to be as a pastor and as a ministry leader? Because I knew that I, I had not been showing up in the way that I wanted to be. I was very angry, very bitter, very resentful. All sorts of things, just feeling like, does anybody even care? You know, all those things. And you know you feel them that way about your job sometimes. So no, don't be judging me. <laughs> okay. You know, I said, well, that is definitely not how I want to show up. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be anxious around other people. I just want to be confident about who I am. So I said, this is who I want to be as a pastor and as a ministry leader. I want to be calm. I want to be a non-anxious presence. I want to be Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. Spirit-filled and Spirit-led. Not people-led. Spirit-led. Truth-speaking with directness and, and with compassion. I want to be a listening, empathetic presence. Not directive, not telling everybody what to do, but evocative, helping you to draw out the answers for yourself non-judging, and listening deeply. Walking with Christ as a source of encouragement, hope, identity, and purpose. Also serving as an example for others. Okay? So then I said, well, what do I need to do or not do in order to become this? Because what was really clear to me and why it became burnout is because I would say, well, part of the reason I'm resentful is because I have to ask people to sign up for things all the time. Okay, so if that's creating that outcome for me, then what do I need to change so that I'm not living my life that way? Do I just quit? Well, no, I don't want to just quit. <laughs> you know, and that, that's what burnout does for people, right? So what do I need to do or not do to become this? Delegate responsibilities that other people should be in charge of. Deflect questions and conversations towards the people who are responsible rather than being a third party. Like, you know, let's talk about, I don't know, finances very well. You know, let's talk about finances. You know, no, you go talk to the finance committee. You know, so I was very specific about that. Ask questions with people that will focus our conversations on emotional and spiritual well-being. So that's my purpose. That's what I view myself as. That's why I'm here as your pastor. That's what I care most about. It's how are you doing spiritually and emotionally. The other stuff, great. But let's get down to, let's drill down into why I'm here. Spiritual and emotional well-being. And so then say no to things outside of my specific roles or offer to help facilitate connecting other people and empowering others, equipping others instead of just doing it all. 
And I know that lots of you have helped out in ways and really poured yourself out. I'm not sharing this to try and say you haven't. I'm just sharing, this was my inner experience. And this is what I did to change that. And hopefully, hopefully you can tell the difference. Hopefully if, if, if you were here last January through May especially, like, boy, is Pastor Chad okay? And, uh, and now you can say, something is different with Pastor Chad. So like, Somebody has said that to me, actually. I'm like, wow, praise the Lord. Because I am telling you, to live with this kind of intentionality is really hard. It's really hard. And I would have never gotten there without a rule of life first, just generally in in my life as a whole, and then to be even more specific in this particular area of my life, which obviously has an impact on the rest of my life. I would have never gotten there. But as I live into this, I've never, I've never in my life felt more free. Never in my life. And that's the biggest knock on a rule of life, you know, or any of our spiritual disciplines. My father actually, my father-in-law said it actually in our small group. We were talking about Lectio Divina and he, he shared Sorry, Ray, if you're watching, embarrassing. <laughs> he said, I don't know, it just kind of feels like a chore. And it, it does. Oftentimes it does. To get up and go to our knees in prayer or read the Bible or to serve in the church, you know, or to reach out to one another and say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? You know, do you want to live this life together? It feels like more work. But when we start to align our life with how God made us to be with intentionality. I mean, that's freedom. That's freedom because the truth is if we don't live intentionally, we're not free. We're putting our, the, the course of our lives in the hands of like an algorithm. You know? <laughs> or maybe a politician or something. You know, that's not freedom. That's just somebody else choosing our life for us. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to choose how I want to show up how I'm going to live my life. So this has gone super long. Uh, we've had some interruptions along the way, which were my fault. Just saying, it's my fault. But if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a strategy, uh, here's, some, here's some suggestions. I got these from an organization called Practicing the Way. I shared this on our Facebook page, actually. They say, start small, be specific, Consider your personality. So some things are going to be harder for you or you'll need more of, like an introvert might need more solitude time. Consider your season of life and stage of discipleship. Like where are you at? What's what's the first step for you? Probably not Bible in a year, right? But maybe reading Jesus Calling every day or something like that is within your zone. Keep a healthy balance of upstream and downstream practices. So do some of the things that right out some of the things you're already doing or that are easier for you. If it's really easy for you to spend time in prayer, just write that out and say, okay, that's an upstream thing or a downstream thing. But an upstream thing might be something you felt kind of a longing to do, but it's hard. And have more of the easier things and less of the hard things so that you can actually uh, see progress in that. Keep a balance of structure and spontaneity like I was talking about what we see in the Bible. We have fixed things 
and we also have adaptive examples. It's uh, not making this up. He says, uh, John Mark Homer says, a good rule should feel like freedom, not slavery. It should help us to feel like we're free. And remember that a good rule of life is a working document. It's like a moving target. So that one that I showed you last week, I actually have to redo. I've like uh, Some things I'm doing really well, but uh, there are some other things I want to add into that. So where do you start if you're trying to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Where do you start? You start where you're at. You start with you're at, but with uh, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, with the intentionality and vision and the action steps that can help you to live into it. Just start where you're at and go from there. And God will grant us the grace and clarity that we need as we seek to love Him with our allness. Amen. a moment as I add Pastor Chad to the prayer requests for 